having gone through a, a fairly large reinvention a few years ago, when you look at the, the trajectory of how quickly things are changing in the world, reinvention is not something that you do one time. It needs to become a skill and a capacity that you can do at will. Because every few years, you're going to have to likely, as, as the rate of change keeps happening faster and faster, you're going to have to keep reinventing yourself. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Carve Your Own Fucking Path, a podcast made to inspire you to create a life and business on your own terms. You'll hear candid interviews with people who have boldly decided to blaze their own trail and the occasional solo show with me, your host. I'm Willa McDonough, on-camera coach, storyteller, and remote video producer. Five years ago, I moved from my home base of San Francisco to the coast of Portugal, taking a big leap into the unknown. Some called it courageous, I called it carving my own fucking path. Today I live in Lisbon and run a business that elevates your online presence, helping you show up confidently on camera to create videos that showcase your brand and personality so you can get more visibility and attract clients by being yourself. If you're just starting out in business or you've been doing it for a while, you're sure to pick up tidbits of actionable advice and hopefully feel inspired by stories from people who have chosen the unconventional and sometimes messy path. And if you've been waiting for a sign to start carving your own fucking path, this is it. I'm so happy you're here. Is Rocky your real name? James is my real name, Rocky, but I've been called Rocky since I was a baby. That's a great name. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome to Carve Your Own Fucking Path, Rocky Buckley. Great to be here. Thank you so much. You're a longtime entrepreneur, you're a coach and a consultant. And ultimately you help people reinvent themselves or like reinvent their businesses, put their personality in there and amplify their charisma and personal brands so that they can connect more with people. You've created many trainings and you have a mastermind, many, many things. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. And thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having <laughs> me. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Me too. Can you... Take us to a time or a moment when you decided that you were going to carve your own path. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I wanted to carve my own path really from from the early days. I mean, the, the kind of things that I was involved in when I was younger were all sort of speculative, big dream sort of things, whether that was baseball as a teenager or it was filmmaking when I got into my 20s and I wanted to, you know, wanted to make movies and stuff like that. And, you know, then that carried me into eventually into business and that led to other big dreams and things of that nature. So I've never been somebody who kind of wanted to walk the normal path. <laughs> you know, when I started out when I was a kid, I, you know, I, I was a gifted kid. I had a high IQ and I never really fit in in school. I skipped a grade very early wow. and that put me in a position where I was the young, always the youngest kid <laughs> in school, in my class. I always felt like an outsider <laughs> to a degree, right? I never, I was never the same age. And, you know, that impacted me in sports and in relationships and things like, cause I was just not as mature as everybody else. So I was always somewhat of, you know, a, a bit of a loner or just wanted to go my own way. So that was always there. When it came to my current state in business, you know, it, it occurred to me a number of years ago that I wasn't happy with what I was doing. I had built a successful business, 
but I was really busy all the time. And I felt that I had gotten way out of sync with my life's purpose. I always wanted to really impact people and so on. But in my work in business, I was working primarily with large corporations and producing a lot of material for them, products, programs, trainings, things like that. And I wasn't really serving the kind of people that I wanted to serve. I wasn't feeling like I was really doing anything important or something that would like leave a legacy or something behind for me. And, you know, there was a moment where I really decided, like, I, I want to reinvent myself. I want to do something that reconnects me with what I'm passionate about and so on. And, you know, when I got really clear on that, it led me then to a journey of exploration. Like, what exactly would that look like? How would I strategically make that change and, and pull it off, you know? So that's a whole, that's where you get into the strategic parts of it. But, you know, it was probably about 20 years into my business where I really had gotten fed up enough with not being mm -hmm. happy that that was when I really decided, like, I've got to do it. I've got to go all in. I've got to end this one business and start something new. And uh, you know, that was a moment of decision. And fortunately, I had the backing of my wife and family and which I really it would have been really hard to to do that otherwise. But so that's just okay. a quick little snapshot. But, you know, there've been <laughs> a number a of these moments in my life for sure. Okay, thank you for sharing yeah. that. So 20 years in, and it's interesting you say, well, you had the support, but was it also pressure because you have a family that's relying on you and you're going in this new direction into the unknown, essentially? Oh yeah, there, there's definitely pressure, but my wife really has been a, a huge cheerleader right from the beginning. She was right there when I started my business originally, you know, 20 years before. We weren't married yet, but we were we were going to be like the following year. And so we had kind of designed our life on paper, what we wanted it to look like, what we wanted our family to look like. So we we're very about the designed life and all that, even, even way back then. Mm -hmm. And so we always had big dreams. We always kind of had ambitions. And my wife was, you know, somebody who really believed in me, believed in my potential and always thought, you know, hey, you know, you're mm -hmm. not happy and you're capable of a lot more. And she always believed in me. And fortunately, she's always been a bit of a risk taker, maybe even more than than I am, oh. and was willing to just like, we're going to go all in and do this. So mm -hmm. it was just a mindset on my wife's part that that she fortunately had. And I think uh, maybe maybe pushed me when I may not have, I've been a little too cautious or timid <laughs> to push myself, you know? So yeah, you do feel that pressure, like, okay, how am I, that was what kept me in my business all those years when I wasn't happy, but it was like, okay, I'm supporting mm -hmm. my family and everything. And it's not about me at this point. I've got right. three young kids and we're homeschooling Ooh. them and I'm the sole source of income. You know, it's like, okay, how are we going to do this? You know, that is so, a lot of, that's a lot. But, but I think over the yeah. years, my wife just gradually started to see like, he's not who he used to be and mm -hmm. he's just working too much and this isn't a sustainable thing for the future, mm -hmm. you know? So, yes. And so you weren't, were you an entrepreneur then? Or you were Prior working for to, a company for 20 years? No, like no, another. I was in business. I started my business consulting business back in the last century. Oh, <laughs> in okay. the late nineties was when I started. Okay. And, you know, I, I started to, you know, I got busy right away. I started to get clients and, and got referrals and little, little by little, my business began to take on a life of its own. That wasn't really what I had wanted, but that was where mm. the market was was pulling me. And I ended up with a business that wasn't what I intended, wasn't what I loved, but it was, you know, it was a successful business and it was keeping the roof over our head and everything. And 
but you but I think that's the that's the story with most entrepreneurs is that you know you start out as a solo you're good at something it's what Michael Gerber talks about in his e-myth you know the classic book that you're a technician you're good at what you do you're wearing all the hats and eventually your business just takes on this life and if you're successful you can find yourself trapped in your business and never being able to get out of your business or look at your business and that was really where I I found myself in that classic trap and I you know I had to figure out how to break out of that trap. And, mm -hmm. you know, so that right. was, that was that deep journey of discovery that happened yes. a little later on in my business. Okay. So let's go there because yeah. you, you reinvent yourself, you go through this process and that's what you help people with now. Mm -hmm. Can you share a bit of that? What kind of sure. inner work and even let's say you had other coaches or mentors helping you yeah, bring us into the journey of it? Yeah, for me, I mean, I think the core thing was I had gotten so far removed from, I think, the, the core of who I was in the past, that the things that drove me, because I had it, I had an extensive background in ministry leadership. I was always, you know, in my, in my twenties, particularly, I was very heavily involved in serving people and trying to commit to helping people grow spiritually and so on. And, and my life was really revolved serving the poor. And like, this is kind of who I was okay. in my twenties. And I really didn't care a lot about business or career and stuff. I was just very focused on helping people. And I always had a heart to do that. And I found myself, you know, really disconnected with what I had been passionate about in my past. And I kind of came to a point where like, who am I today? I'm 20 years kind of removed from that. I've had now had three children. I'm married. I'm living in a different state. I'm like, I'm in a completely different place. So who am I now? And it took me a, quite a while to sort of go through that journey of like discovery again of, okay, what is the essence of the passion that I have that's going to make me wake up in the morning and be super excited about what I'm doing every day, feel like I'm there's meaning in this and fulfillment and and all and and also provides me a way to reinvent my business too. That's a lot more lucrative, that's scalable, time friendly, right? So there were a lot of considerations because I was really looking for ultimately success on all levels. Right. Mm -hmm. It was life success, but also business success as well. So in this discovery, and I spent a lot of time at the beach alone, like my wife would just give me a couple of weeks, like go to the beach by yourself on a retreat. And I would do this stuff and I would talk into a video camera and I would kind of share like the things that were on my mind. And I wanted to record it so that I would see when I came alive, when I would talk about mm. things and I'd become really excited. And when I wasn't, and a video camera will reveal those kind of things. So I kind of had this insight to do it that way. And ultimately, I discovered that the, the biggest source of passion and drive for me was this sense of wasted potential mm. that I felt it in myself. That yeah. was the thing about me that I didn't want to waste my potential that I had always been thought of as this guy's going to go on to do something. He's really bright and whatever. And I never felt that I, I hit my highest peak and there was a lot more on the table for me. And I started to realize that that's something that I always cared about intensely with other people as well. That was even back in the ministry days. It was about how do I help a person really become that person they were created to be the best version of mm -hmm. themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And how do I now like look at that from a business lens? Right. But I started to tap into that thing of wasted potential. And it was like when it when I hit that chord, that's what brought the life and the passion out in me. When if I could talk about that. How can I help people who 
are so gifted and talented and they're capable of a lot more. And they found themselves like me stuck in this trap. Like you're kind of, you're successful, but like you're, you're nowhere near what you're capable of. And how do you get out of that? And how do you turn that into something? And I, and then I started to kind of become more left brain about it, I guess, or more strategic. Like, how do I take what I've done in my business? And how do I take this idea of wasted potential and kind of triangulate it with what I've done in my career, which is, you know, working in publishing and products and training and all of this stuff, helping people turn their expertise into packaged products and stuff like that. How do I take the wasted potential thing and that and sort of put it all together? And it really, you know, it came together. It was like, okay, I wanted to focus then on aspirational solopreneur type people who had their own business and they were kind of like me, right? And I think ultimately we find that our customer avatar is us, right? Yeah. After all of that searching- A few and steps it out, behind. Essentially yeah. us. And so I kind of figured out a way to do it. And it was like, okay, let me, let me take this desire I have and then marry that up with what I've done, my track record over the 20 plus years in business, you know? So that's sort of mm. how I figured out what the path was for me. And that's what I do with other people too. It's like, okay, I always start with life vision. Mm -hmm. I always, because I think Love that's that. the foundation of everything. And your business is a subset of your life. So you want these things to be aligned because I found mine was misaligned. The business mm -hmm. that I had created for myself didn't fit at all the vision that I had for what my life would look like. And I had to kind of figure that out. So right some and of the you, considerations yeah <laughs> when you when you were recording the video of yourself did you show that to anyone or is that was that just for you I didn't shy away from showing it to anyone but I don't think anybody has seen it maybe my wife has a little bit but I'm not sure but okay. I have I have I mean this going away on retreats and spending this sort of solid time in solitude and thinking and stuff is something I've done for a long time mm. so I have I have hundreds of hours of of brainstorming into okay. a video <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the early days of social media maybe someday they'll no be interesting looking. to somebody but they they do exist <laughs> okay i think I, I think it is because it's it's that authentic you and you're able to capture it yeah. where that could be journaling for some people but it's really that's really powerful that you gave yourself that time because mm -hmm. so many people th try to think their way out or have other people influence their decisions so it's like you really gave yourself space and that's that's a huge gift to yourself and also for other people to hear that, that it doesn't just happen overnight. This is something, it's a process of getting back in alignment or figuring out what that was. Is that when you, is that your power persona framework? Is that a bit? That was really where enough? it started was with me, was me mm -hmm. going through a path of reinventing myself saying, okay, because, mm -hmm. you know, for many years, I, I, I'm just now in the last couple of years, really becoming a public person. I was a behind okay. the scenes, like secret weapon sort of guy with these companies. And I, I never had a social media presence. Mm. Nobody knew who I was except in, in the industry. So I had to kind of go and I had to make that decision. Like, do I even want to be a public figure? Because it was sort of like, okay, you know, there are a lot of business models where you can be a ghost in the machine. You can build a really successful business and live a great lifestyle and nobody knows who you are. And I had to really think very hard about that because a lot of, I had played around with other business ideas for a long time. I was a commodities and options trader. <laughs> it was doing, <laughs> I did a lot of different things in the background on the side, trying things over the years. And ultimately I had to come to a conclusion, like, do, do I want to be known or do I not want to be known? 
And that was where, when I looked at my overall life vision, who do I want to be in five, 10, 20 years? When I was clear on that, it, then it started to work backward and say, well, if you're going to, if you want to be that, you need to be known. You mm -hmm. can't be an unknown, right? So thinking ahead I, in that life true. vision in the big picture. So I kind of had to decide, all right, you know, I need to become, I put myself out there, put my face out there for the first time. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. How do I, because I knew enough about business and strategy and positioning and all of this stuff where it was like, okay, if you're going to stand out, you have to be unique and different. You have to bring out all of this, these aspects of your personality. How can you be engaging to people? Right. right. There's a lot of people that put put content out and nobody watches it. Or it's boring. <laughs> or, like yes. how, There's a lot of things that go into a making lot. a person pop as a public figure. Mm -hmm. And I had to figure those things out strategically in terms of my market positioning, my messaging, but also the personal elements. Like how much of me do I really want to share? How much personal side, my life do I want to share? Or am I going to be this one lane? I'm about this one thing. I want mm -hmm. to be known for that. Or do I want to be this personal brand that, you know, is a more diverse inclusive personal brand that like I share things, you know, the music that I like, the movies, the sports teams, or my family. And, uh, you know, so I had to figure a lot of that stuff out. And over time, that became the basis of the framework that it was sort of like, okay, build from the inside out from the life vision, mm -hmm. then the business vision, then the core identity, right? That that was a big deal because you had, you know, going, being a public figure, requires some form of an identity shift. Yes. It's like, who am I now? Who am I in this yeah. role that I'm <laughs> I'm playing on camera or in front of an audience, right? So there's a big identity shift that you have to go through because you want to be authentic. Mm -hmm. You don't want to create a character that you're playing, but it's not really you because that's going to be, that's going to cause problems down the line. So it's all this like inner work and then strategically figuring out, you know, what are some things that make me interesting to other people? What are elements of my life story that resonate with other people that I can tie into what I'm offering, right? And so there's so many things. And then ultimately, how do you monetize that? How do I create a business model around it? Because there's so many ways that you can go. You know, you can create a yeah. podcast and try to build an audience and it's advertising and sponsorships and affiliate deals. Or do mm -hmm. I want to create my own products? Do I want to create high priced things? Right? Do I want to sell a $25,000 mastermind or a $97 membership? You know, like there's, so there's a lot of things you kind of have to figure out and put all together, right. but it, you want it to be congruent and aligned. And that's why I start from the life vision and build from the inside out. Okay. Cause I was, I've, yeah, I've seen the inside, the inner work and then the outer work as a personal brand, for example. And you, you said you work really with solopreneurs. But you've worked yeah. with some big, big names. Well, yeah, I've, I've definitely had partnerships with people like Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi and Stu McLaren and Ryan. <laughs> just Lebeck. to name. I mean, in, in just a fairly short time, yeah. as somebody who just came out of the the woodwork, really, I've been able to, you know, be fortunate enough to be able to work with some of these people and interview people mm -hmm. like Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank. And so all these right. people have like been in my world fairly early on. I'm only a couple of years into the into this reinvention, you know? Oh, and okay. So it's been pretty cool so far. That yeah. That is very cool. What with you, with your identity shift, what, was there something that you struggled with either like letting go or even stepping into in this new yeah. 
identity. I would say with the identity shift part, one of the things that, because I started to really drill deep into even the concept of identity, mm-hmm. because I know that for, for me to become who I want to become in 20 years, I have to, I have to change into that person, right? So there's a, there's a conscious idea of that's the ideal that me 20 years from now, who's at this level, right? How do I take, go from here to there? And how do I authentically like, grow into and become that person? And so I had to really, you know, really look into, well, what am I even talking about in terms of identity? What is that? And I started to crack it apart and realize that, you know, our identity is much more elastic than we think that it is. Our identity is essentially a web of beliefs that we have about life and about ourselves and who we think we are, about the roles that we have, because we're sort of different. We have different identities depending on the role. We're mm-hmm. different as a, a child or a, or a sibling than we are as a parent or a spouse or in our business, right? There's all these different roles and our identity kind of shifts within the role that we're in at the time. So it was like, okay, who is the who is that person that I want to become and how do I go about that? And fairly early on, I started to realize that I needed to have a shift about money. That was one mm-hmm. thing that was that was really clear for me was that- yeah get to the level that I want to get to, I have to have a different, not a belief about money, because I think my beliefs about money were were, at, were appropriate or right, but I didn't have an emotional attachment to wealth. That was something like, because I, you know, when I came up, I was like, not materialistic. I'm not driven that way. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. really look at, I've got to have this beautiful car. And it, those things really don't motivate me. Impact is really what motivates me. But I realized that I don't have a tangible like an emotional driver about wealth mm-hmm. that, that would really make me want to pursue it. Cause I'd be happy at, at a certain <laughs> level, like my life, if I have a good meal and my family's around me, like I'm, I'm good. But I realized to get where I want to go, I've got to have more emotional attachment to mm-hmm. wealth. And so I started yeah, implementing some things to, to get my hands or my eyes on things that would you know be appealing to me. So I've kind of done some things over the last few years to put myself more in that space and like learn things about very high-end homes or supercars or things like that and try to become more aware of it, put it in my mind more and start to program myself more in that direction while also still maintaining my values, you know, and I'm not I don't want to shift my values per se, but I do want to I think have more of an appreciation for and and a drive toward higher levels of wealth. So that was, that's just one example of, of the kind of things that I realized about myself <laughs> looking inward, you know, it's, it's not enough. You don't, you're not driven enough <laughs> to want that right at that level, but yes. in order to get there, you've got to have some of that, you know, that drive. Definitely. It's funny. You talk about that because I was just having this conversation about certain things. And one of them was designer bags as women. It's, it's like the, maybe the pinnacle of, of a desirable thing. You know, I've made money and this is what I'm going to spend it on. And then it's a visual like kind of demonstration. And I, I was saying the same, I'm just not driven by that or material things necessarily. So, but also I could see where your impact it's directly related because the more wealth you have and you build, the more impact you have. And that's even on your own family. Yeah right? And this legacy that, that you were, you were talking about. So do you have any specific exercises? I'm thinking of, you know, maybe it's a dream board. It's visioning something where 
you can start programming your subconscious mind in that way. Even I don't know, fly, flying first class or something like that, and just getting a feel yeah. for. Do you have anything specific that you? Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. it's a combination. It's really like one of the one of the best books I've I've ever read. It's been really instrumental in the way that I look at things. Is Psycho Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, mm. and it's all about reprogramming your self image. So Maxwell Maltz in that book talks a lot about the visualization side of it. It's really the things that you mentioned, like the vision boards and, but it's also about yourself, like imagining yourself in that and feeling it emotionally, mm -hmm. right? And connecting to it. And what would it feel like if I were, if I were here in this big, big, beautiful home or whatever, I was driving this car or whatever it might be for you, but it's also action as well. So I, I like a two prong approach where it's the daily visualization, the daily rituals and habits where maybe you're meditating or you're taking this time, or you're doing affirmations, all whatever those things are that, that really work for you or that resonate with you, journaling, the dream boards. So there's the visual internal work that you do, but I also believe that then you want to take action on it in the real world because then it starts to create a feedback loop that, that you're, you're actually reinforcing what you're visualizing because you're taking action in the world. So that might look like, for example, going to test drive mm -hmm. that high-end vehicle it might look like going to take a ride and going and looking at, you know, $10 million homes, you know, and actually right. being there and actually putting yourself there and walking through it. Or, you know, it could, it could even be online as well, like watching some of the, you know, affirmation channels on YouTube, where it's like, they're just showing you visuals mm -hmm. of beautiful places and big homes and being on private jets and stuff like that. And just programming yourself with that. So I right. think that there's a combination of real world action and programming that that needs mm -hmm. to happen. I think those are the cores of identity shift. Mm -hmm. And, and one, of the, really, one of the yeah. good books as well is, is The Alter Ego Effect by Todd oh. Herman, which is about sort of creating this other person sort of that you can step into in that role. So whether you're mm -hmm. a high performing athlete or something, but you know when you're off the field, you're one person, but then when you step on the field, you kind of take on this other persona and the clothes and the whole this character that you can step into. I'm not a huge fan of creating a character because I think that you want to be yeah. authentic as a personal brand. Right. It is a side of you that's authentic. It's a heightened version of you. But I think that at least going through a process where you're creating that other version of yourself and it's really detailed and it's really clear. And then you find ways to inhabit and grow into that, you know, over time. Mm -hmm. okay. It's fascinating because so many personas that we see are crafted even name changes you know adds yeah. to the adds to those things sure. and, and i think it's really the only way to make changes too is to really identify with this new version of yourself and and i talk to people about this a lot because yeah making any kind of change you have to become that person who has this certain behavior or doesn't have that behavior and personally i found that to be the biggest yeah. And it could Shifts be you know, well. something simple. Like, I mean, one of the things Todd Herman recommends in his book are these things I think he calls totems mm. and they're just little, little tokens. It might be a piece of clothing. It might be the designer bag. It might, it might be yeah. a ring that you put on <laughs> or something that when you have this physical object it might be for him, it was a pair of glasses. So when okay. he put on his pair of glasses, it was almost like, okay, Clark Kent, Superman, I'm sort of becoming this mm -hmm. person. Right. Even things like that will help to facilitate identity shift. And so they don't have to be big, but they do, do need to be tangible and connect right. back to what you're visualizing, you know, on a daily basis. 
Definitely. It always yeah starts with the vision. Now, what about with people, this word potential, I'm not a big fan because I guess I, I don't know why, but for the longest time, maybe I heard that when I was younger, you have so much potential and it feels like you're Me not too. there yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not there yet. So what about, well, do you believe that everyone has potential to achieve what they want? And that's all relative because people have different desires, but what do you, I mean, for yourself as well, this potential, was it maybe being a public figure, like maybe buried deep down, you really wanted to be yeah. more out. Did you feel that yeah, that was it, in it your It actually future? was because, you know, I mm -hmm. think that for me, the, the level of potential was always about impact. Even when I was a kid and I wanted to be a baseball player, I always envisioned myself as a baseball player who would also be like a role model for kids. Mm -hmm. Odd, right? It, was, it wasn't just about the game. Cool. It was also like when I got to be successful as a baseball player, I would then give back and be one of these guys who was a role model for kids and you can do it too. You can do it this way and, and so on. And uh, I, you know, I happened to be, when I was growing up, a fan of the New York Yankees. I was, you know, I grew up just outside of New York City. And a lot of the players were involved in the community. And, mm -hmm. you know, I might go to a church or a basketball game and the players are playing and they're, they're giving a speech or they're, you know, they're somehow impacting the youth. And I always kind of saw myself, okay, if I make it, I'm going to be that, like, I want to be this kind of a guy. And then it led me also into filmmaking later. And the films that I wanted to make would be, you know, it was about putting out messages into the world that would inspire people and move people. And it wasn't just about, let me make this cool movie and make a lot of money and be successful. There was always an impact angle to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where, you know, it led me into the public figure space. I, I determined in some of my brainstorming that, yes, I could impact people with without ever being known. There's ways to do that. Like mm -hmm. if I, through philanthropy, a lot of the people who are doing great work in the world, nobody knows who they are. But I felt for me, I wanted to be hands-on. I wanted to actually interact with the people I was helping. I wanted to develop that relationship with them and actually see in their face and in their story, like how much, you know, my work with them actually impacted them. I wanted to emotionally feel that. And mm -hmm. so for me, it, yeah, that's that's an aspect to it for sure. Could I have gone a different direction? Absolutely. But I think I wanted that hands-on relationship and interaction with the people that I was working with. So that's probably yes. like the driver there. Ultimately, I really had to decide that. It was a hard decision for me, actually, because I'm right on the line between introvert and extrovert. I'm more <laughs> yeah. on the introvert side. Okay. It's a little like 45, 55, sort of something like that. And it's always been a, a battle for me. And but I determined that was really the thing that would make me want to do it. If okay. I could have this very fulfilling experience of knowing I was helping to change people's lives, that would be, be really rewarding for me. And you have in a very short time mm. on, on large, you know, large scale. And so I, I, Thank you. seems like, I mean, that drive is, is what's been like the undercurrent for so long. And, and that I find to be pretty unique at such a young age as well to have this, this like very specific, you know, impact, whatever it may be, but working, you know, with young people and everything else. So I, I do believe that's like a huge, a huge driver. Yeah. I don't know if it was a, there was a, I think it was always on some level, a desire for, to have a mentor. 
when I was a kid and yeah. I never really had one <laughs> like I've oh, great okay. parents and stuff but I was I don't know that my parents quite knew what to do with me because I wasn't like I wasn't kind of like wired the same way I was you know very creative and you know I would I just read voraciously I mean I read from a very early age and I, I just think it was like I never had anybody when I was growing up who kind of got me. Right? <laughs> and I think I always wanted that on some level. Yeah. And it was like, if I ever had the opportunity to be that for somebody, I would. And so even in high school, mm. like I found myself in situations where there were kids that, you know, other people shied away from that, that weren't really making a lot of friends and stuff. And I, I would always be drawn to those sort of people. They were drawn to me and I would sort of befriend them and help them in any way. Like I was, you know, and I would take criticism for that was like, why are you, you know, why are you hanging around with these sort of losers or whatever? And I was kind of, I never saw it that way. I always mm -hmm. kind of had a heart for people that were struggling or they were misfits or something like that. And so even yeah. in high school, like I was that kind of a, of a kid that always had a heart for that out, outcast. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe it's, it, and then it led me through all these years. And I guess on some level, I'm still looking for that. <laughs> still looking to help people who, they're but really gifted, talented people, but they're like, I I'm not mm -hmm. where I want to be. And right. how do I get there? And I don't know how to get there, you know? And, and that's the thing is you said, you, you know, you have the introvert extrovert. So it's like these two sides of yourself and because you have the extrovert side, I, do you think that people can become as introverts, let's say, really put themselves out there? And of course that's possible. Right. But it's, more challenging yeah, I'm sure. I personally believe that that personality is is somewhat elastic mm, mm -hmm. you know I know that personality theory is all about like okay these what are the traits that are they're gonna they're gonna be constant for over the course of time and I think that personality theory is by and large solid but there's a lot of ways that you can you can alter your personality mine has been altered mm. you know over time and I think you know I often like to give this hypothetical, but let's say if you were, were to be able to live a thousand years instead of 75, 80 years, let's say, and you went through all of these life experiences and, and so on, like yeah. probably who you would be in a thousand years would be <laughs> radically different than who you are today, right? So it's like the yeah. capacity is in there to change almost infinitely. If we were to live long enough and had exposure to different experiences and and life changes and things like that. So the capacity is there. It's mm -hmm. just the, the question of repetition. How quickly can you go through change and, and actually make it stick, right? So I believe that personality can be changed mm -hmm. to, to some degree. And I think when it comes to the, the public figure side of it, it's like, what are those aspects of my personality that I can be strategic about and say, what are these parts that I want people to see? And what are parts that I don't want people to see? So, and that requires some degree of self-reflection. You have to know what you're working with to make some of those choices, but it might be, for example, like, Hey, you know, I really have this funny side to me. I'm really, I can be really funny in my private life and, and so on, but I never show that in my business. Well, what if I just decided, you know what, let me loosen up a little bit and bring some of these aspects of my sense of humor into my content, let's say. That kind of a thing is, you know, that can really unlock an audience's connection with you. Like maybe before you weren't getting Itch. a lot of engagement and now you just showed that little side of yourself that was curious or playful or whatever. Or you showed, hey, I love this music or I love this these movies. 
and people didn't know that about you before but you're bringing these aspects i love food or you know art mm -hmm. wine yeah right these are things yeah. that i think are connecting points with an audience that you got to be able to bring these sides of yourself out because that allows you to connect with people on a number of different levels and i think it also allows you to sustain engagement and success over time this is something a lot right. of people never talk about is audience fatigue that mm. even if you're successful like even youtube creators this is typically youtube creators typically have a life cycle of about five to seven years high-end very successful ones but that's about it mm -hmm. their Makes audience sense. eventually gets tired of them and they and they start to move on well what one of the ways of combating audience fatigue is to keep rolling out different sides of yourself and then taking your audience on the journey with you as you grow right but you have right. to be able to keep growing <laughs> and learning and and be more interesting and keep trying to be interesting to people right so it takes conscious effort in other words you can't mm -hmm. just wing it you have to kind of be conscious and strategic about it and really think through what you're doing and i think that intuitive side with the strategic side is really the sweet spot you know for for people who have personal brands that's huge that was a big, <laughs> that was a big nugget <laughs> because I, I help people do similar things, actually put their personality into their brand on camera. So I work on camera coach and so many people hide who they are because they think it's not professional or that it's not interesting or anything. And, and it's always, I don't know where we got this idea and potentially, I mean, you can answer this too, because a personal brand is a bit of a new thing. Yeah. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I think merging who we are as people and a business, it's a, it's a, it's a new phenomenon in a lot of ways. People have products, they kind of hide behind the, the product, for example. So, and with social media, it's completely changed everything. So I think the more that people can be strategic with it is huge and have an, a plan of like, this is, the journey I'm going to bring people on. And, and there's also that, the thing that you brought up YouTube. And I feel like a lot of these YouTubers have the same like shtick. It's like, you hear it over yeah. and over and over. And for some reason, it's not annoying. Sometimes it can be, but I think that's the other thing is like getting really clear on what your story is. Yeah. In a no, short absolutely. Snippet. I think that the, the branding thing really is changing. I think we came out of a past where people were promoting themselves on television, direct mail, et cetera. I mean, we've had the internet, of course, for mm -hmm. quite a while, but it, for in the early years of the internet, it was largely, you know, your website was a brochure. There wasn't a lot of video. There wasn't, you know, building community around yourself and where you were interacting with people. So there was an idea on a daily basis, right? In, in that sort mm -hmm. of a format. And I think that people got this idea and it was correct at the time that, in order to build a brand, you had to like pick a lane and you had to be really clear and don't, don't veer off of that lane. You want to be known for one thing. And that's what you're going to keep drilling home every single day of the week. I'm the mattress king, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever that thing that you, that character that you created for yourself, that was what you were every day of the week. But I think that as people have gotten to know us more, I think there's more exposure to who we are on our social media profiles. People want to know more about who, about our personal lives. They want to know more about our values. Mm -hmm. People are going to make buying right. decisions based on 
even things like our politics. If people get a sense of where we stand politically, they're going to make a choice to buy or not buy. So we're kind of getting into that sort of a space. And we have to make decisions then of how much of that do we really want to share. But I think that over time, people want to know the person, not yeah. the brand. They're, they're, people are too sophisticated yeah. now to just like buy into like, it's this character who's just one dimensional. And that's all I know about them. I think over time, it's like, I want to know the full person. Mm-hmm. Then I think the positive of that is it just builds such a connection with the audience. Then if people like in my, in my Facebook community right now, people know just as much about me as they know about like my son, my kids, like I, because oh, I wow. promote them. Okay. He helps me a lot with video and he's making a movie right now. And so cool. So people have gotten to know my wife. My wife is post posts in there quite often. And so there's this whole yeah. thing where people have gotten a window into who I am as a person outside of business. And I think it just creates a, a level of warmth mm-hmm. and uh, just ability to really speak into people's lives at a different level because they kind of know you as a person and they trust you. And I think that's creating trust is a really big deal in this it's world huge. where there's just so many phonies and copycats. And I think people want to want to really know you. But I also think that especially with the business model, like my business models are all related around or related to relationships, long-term memberships, masterminds, Mm one-on-one stuff like that. So I'm building for the long game. I don't want to have a transactional relationship with my customer base. I want it to be ongoing and long-term. So I've kind Mm -hmm. of orient everything I do toward building just as I would in an offline relationship. I treat the online very similarly to that. It really mm-hmm. goes back to almost the way that I, I did things in church and ministry leadership years ago. The same principles are there. I just have brought them online. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask about that. Sorry, I'm in a co-work space and people keep, I should have locked the door. I forgot. The the ministry, do you talk about religion, your beliefs in that way? In like, Can you describe your your personal brand? Yeah, I really don't bring that into what I do right now. So that's not, that's not, I mean, I allude to it. I'll tell people m- very much about my background and so on, but I don't ever really go there. Okay. So there's some decisions that I have to make coming up fork in the road wise in terms of issues that could be polarizing because up yeah. till now I've, I've tried to cast myself as like somebody who can connect with all sorts of different people. Cause that's how I've always been in my business and so on. I've always been able to relate to people who've come from all walks of life, belief systems, and so on. And I've generally positioned myself as that. Over time, however, I think that the market is going to force me to talk about things that could be polarizing. Mm. And that might be a choice that at some point I'm going to have to make. I haven't made it yet. <laughs> I don't want to necessarily oh, make avoid. it. I'd rather be. Yeah. I mean, overall, yeah. like I'm a nice guy. I want to be, a, a, I want to be impactful to a lot of people. I don't want people to just be turned off to me because I fit some stereotype that they think that I'm, I am, that I'm not really that, but people put a label on you and it's like, that's who you are. So I've tried to avoid. Smart. While at the same time being pretty open about who I am (laughs) values wise. Mm -hmm. So that's huge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious if, if you did, cause I I see that a lot. I'm happy to talk about that in terms of my personal brand, how, how a lot of my beliefs and values pour into my personal brand. I've always come from this standpoint of leading 
in a leadership role, because I've had a lot of leadership roles in, in business and ministry and so on in the past. And it's really leading through love. That's really kind of the big driver for me. That's how, that's my, that's my style of leadership. I tend to be more of a facilitator and a connector to use a sports analogy. I'm much, I'd much rather be the point guard who distributes the ball. than I'd rather be the guy who's dunking the ball, right? I'm more, more of a facilitator. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a bottom up leader. I'm not a top down. This is my vision. We're going to all do it my way. I don't uh -huh. lead that way. So from okay. the way that I like to approach life and relationships, it's all around how can I make you better? and facilitate your success. And that ends up making me a better leader, I think. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and I'm very family oriented. So, you know, I love yeah. people. I love connecting people to people. Mm -hmm. And I look at any leadership role that I've ever had as building a family. That's kind of how I look at things. I've always done that. And um, so that's I think amazing. that's where a lot of my values actually bleed into my work because it's actually baked into the model. That's why I <laughs> want to work with people in membership and mastermind settings, because it allows me to get to know people for years and develop right. these relationships where they can go in any direction and start new businesses or partnerships or collaborations, or I love connecting people to people. Like that's one of my favorite things to do in life. Mm -hmm. I just get so much joy from that. And I don't really often get anything out <laughs> of it, but I love to facilitate other people's success. That's how I view leadership. And I, I think mm -hmm. I've, been exposed to leaders in my life who didn't do it that way. And I always made notes no. to myself, like, I, I, I'm not going to approach leadership in that self-aggrandizing way. Mm -hmm. It was always about other people's success. So. Oh, that is good. Are you teaching <laughs> leaders specifically this? That's part of my longer term track is to, okay. as my market expands, I will start to go generalize up more toward leadership. That's mm -hmm. the goal. Okay. So, yeah. Because you, right now you're working with solopreneurs, but authors, speakers, coaches, and consultants primarily, right? So people yeah. that are having to put themselves out there. Yeah. And also reinventors. I think that's the reinventors yeah. is really where Love I have it. this spot because that might be corporate executive who's looking to get out of and actually start to work for themselves and start their business. So they're already mm -hmm. very successful but they want to get out of, you know, a career and, or maybe it's, they're going to retire and then start their new career and reinvent themselves. So, or a service provider who like me was primarily doing stuff for other people, doing work for clients. Now I want to shift out of doing the work to actually teaching and sharing my knowledge and getting paid for my knowledge rather than my mm -hmm. labor. So right. the service provider and the, and the, you know, sort of the successful corporate reinventor are a couple of other ones that I, I would say I focus on too. Mm -hmm. It's so exciting. Reinvention. I love it. At any age too. I love that people are like 50 and they decide I'm just completely changing, you know, going in this new direction. It, it's always the been thing so that's interesting. really interesting too about that is that, and this is how I look at it too, is having gone through a, a fairly large reinvention a few years ago, when you look at the, the trajectory of how quickly things are changing in the world, right? Mm -hmm. All of the social platforms and what's popular today and strategies that work, they might not work in six months. And that things are moving so rapidly that reinvention is not something that you do one time. It needs to become a skill and a capacity that you can do at will. 
because every few years you're going to have to likely as, as the rate of change keeps happening faster and faster, more people come online, markets keep splitting into smaller niches. You're going to have to keep reinventing yourself and developing that as a capacity that you can do at will. And you have a strategy and a framework to do it is going to be so important going into the future. I often think of like David Bowie and Madonna, you know, like every album, they were kind of this new person, right? It's almost like mm -hmm. that as a personal so brand, that that's where I believe things are going to be going. And you've got to be ready to like, not just reinvent once, but like, you might have to do it 10 <laughs> times, <laughs> depending on how long you're in business, you know? Yeah. You're going to get really busy, busier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, and so how can people work with you? Because I know you have the mastermind, which I'm very curious about personally, mm -hmm. but if, is there anything that like is tangible? Are you offering anything right now? Any, yeah, just walk us through. Yeah, the, the best place for people to get in touch with me is just at my personal website, rockybuckley.com. And you're going to see on the website, there's going to be three specific windows. The first is the Power, Proje Power Persona Project membership community. And that's sort of the first natural step for people. That's That's where they can get in and for at an affordable price and get to know me and so on and a great community there. And then there's the platinum path mastermind groups, which are for more established entrepreneurs who are looking for that shortcut and being around other peers and so on. And then the third way to work with me is one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. I don't work with a lot of people. I'm not cheap, <laughs> you know, but yeah. <laughs> for, for a person who's sort of a, like a successful, ambitious mm -hmm. entrepreneur specifically who has a big goal or a project, that if they know yeah. that if they can get this done, it's going to change their life and their business. I bring in not only the coaching and consulting side of things, but also years of high level project management. So mm. I blend project management because I brought over 3000 different projects to the market over the years. I've had my hands on all sorts of different ones. Um, so the project management is really the lens that I see working with somebody through. It's like, what are we trying to achieve? And it's how do we map that to deadlines, timelines, milestones, resources, organization. So I kind of have this blend of, I'm not, I don't really consider myself a coach. I've never been trained in coaching. <laughs> it's okay. I don't have a certification, but I'm sort of like this hybrid coach, consultant, mentor, project manager. And I think I blend all that together to, to help people get things done and get results. Mm -hmm. So those are really the three windows that, that people can interact with me on the membership, the mastermind and the one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. That's great. What are you most proud of up until now? I would say my, my family. Yeah. My kids, mm -hmm. my wife and I have worked really hard to homeschool our, our three children. Okay. And, the whole um, time. you know, so all three are my oldest daughter is 20. My youngest daughter is 18. My son is 18. Wow. And uh, they're all going on to do great things. Like they've all grown up really well. You know, my daughter, my oldest daughter's recorded a couple of EPs already. But when she was 16, you know, she was putting out music and she's just a, like, I think oh. a musical genius with a lot of potential. And my son is making a movie. He's making his second movie right now. He's 18. He's in the fundraising phase of <laughs> making this oh, animated wow. movie. And my youngest daughter, she released her first EP last year at 13. So my kids are all creatives. Yeah. Um, sounds like it. All great kids. And so I feel like my wife and I, we feel like this was the life that we sort of mostly designed on paper and it's for the most part worked out so far. <laughs> and 
you know, just really, really proud. I love my kids, love my family. And just so glad that we decided to, to build our lives in the way that we did because, mm-hmm. you know, our kids have turned out really well, at least so far, not good, <laughs> but you never know, but I'm really proud of them, you know, at this point and, and the life that we've created together. It sounds incredible. That is, that's pretty, that's major. I'm raising it's a, one it's an kid. unusual path for sure. Yeah. It's, it's definitely raising, raising a family this way, you know, maybe only like 2% of people yeah. do it. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty rare, but I think it's given us both a lot of growth and a lot of mm-hmm. insights into people because we've okay. been able to raise our kids in a way where you can actually watch them grow every day, not where they're going to school and they're away from you for most of the day. Like we've mm-hmm. had to micromanage like all the little aspects of how each kid is different, what they, right. how they learn differently, you know, different strengths and weaknesses. So I think it's given us a real up close view of how humans develop and how they learn and grow, which I think then generalizes out to working with people as well in the yeah. world. Cause I think it's the same stuff that you're working with a client on the same stuff you would work on with your teenage son. Essentially, <laughs> <laughs> the same skill sets are involved, you know? So That's cool. true. That's so cool. Yeah. And what are you most looking forward to right now? I think the rollout of some of the things that I mentioned, the growth of the membership community mm-hmm. is a really big deal for me because that's that's all new. So the membership community, I'm really looking forward to okay. expanding that and turning that into a place where people are building these fantastic relationships. They're able to to grow in their business, in their in their lives, in their brand. Thank you oh. for sharing all of your your wisdom and I just you know, want to commend you for sticking to your vision and also sticking with your mission of making an impact because it clearly is your mission. It's very commendable. Oh, thank and your you energy so is amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being here. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference for visibility and even better. Share this episode with a friend and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode every other Wednesday. If you're interested in working together to elevate your online presence, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram at whereiswillow. I also hang out on LinkedIn, Willow McDonough. Until then, cheers to carving your own fucking path. I love you.